0: Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Our first reading is from the second book of Samuel, verses from chapter 18. Listen for the word of God. The king gave orders to Joab and Abishai and Itai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders concerning Absalom. So the army went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. The men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David, and the slaughter there was great that day, 20,000 men. The battle spread over the face of all the country, and the forest claimed more victims that day than the sword. Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak. His head caught fast in the oak, and he was left hanging between heaven and earth, while the mule that was under him went on. And ten young men, Joab's armor-bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. Then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, Good tidings for my lord the king, for the Lord has vindicated you this day, delivering you from the power of all who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, Is it well with the young man Absalom? The Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to do you harm be like that young man. The king was deeply moved and went to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went he said, "O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would that I had died instead of you, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks.
1: Our New Testament reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. The title is, Rules for the New Life, hear the word of the Lord. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors For we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and and work honestly with their own hands. So as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath, and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love. As Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy, and we want to be like Jesus. And you know, that I myself struggle with the topic that I'm about to preach, and we struggle with it. But, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, transform us, heal us through your Spirit, that we may transform our community into your kingdom of justice and faith. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Amen. Author and preacher Charles Swindoll says, Forgiveness is not an elective in the curriculum of servanthood. It is a required course, and the exams are always tough to pass. In our New Testament reading, the Apostle Paul instructs Christians to put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and be kind and forgive one another. And we all know, in practical, it is not always easy to forgive. And a famous Christian writer, C.S. Lewis, says, everyone says forgiveness is a good idea until... They have something to forgive, and we all have someone to forgive. And some of us are victims of past relationships. That is, what has happened in the past relationship is controlling what's happening now. And some of us are victims of past feelings and past emotions that are controlling us in the present moments. And some of us are victims of an unhappy home, victims of a painful marriage, victims of prejudice and terrible injustice. And Lord knows some of us are victims of painful experiences in the church. And the practice of forgiveness is counterculture. And forgiveness means Giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Or it could also mean, you hurt me, but I still love you. And the question is, how can we put away our bitterness and wrath and anger and then forgive those who hurt us by our own effort? What do we do? When bitterness and grudges come in the middle of the night, we can't get rid of it, and we try, but sometimes we fail. And if we would, could forgive those who hurt us by our own effort, we would have done it without limits, and we wouldn't have to suffer alone. And friends, forgiveness is the work of God, and we all need God's help to practice forgiveness and without god's help our ability to forgive has some limits in the bible at one point in his life king david found it difficult to practice forgiveness and david was a mighty warrior and he won countless battles And God himself chose David to be the leader of Israel, and he was a powerful king, and he was successful in his profession, like many of us. And David was also a parent, a religious man, and a congregation member. God even describes David as a person after my own heart. And yet, David could not put away all his bitterness and anger And for a long time, David could not forgive his own son, Absalom. And hearing our Old Testament text from Doris this morning, it seems like Absalom is solely responsible for a civil war in Israel. Absalom is a rebel who declares himself the king of Israel, and Absalom is the one who tries to kill his own father, And Absalom seems to be the bad son and the troublemaker. But it's not all Absalom's fault in the entire story. And David made two big mistakes as a parent and a leader. And David made a major contribution to his own later suffering. The first mistake David made was that he failed to take justice. And what happened was David's oldest son, Amnon, raped his own half-sister, Tamar. And instead of confronting his son, David remained silent, and he hoped that the problem would go away on its own. And the result? Tamar's full brother, Absalom's temper, erupted, and he murdered Amnon. And that created a whole new set of problems for the family. Absalom then went across the Jordan into exile to Geshur, the country of his wife's family. And after three years in exile, he was allowed to come home. At this turn in the story, David made his second mistake, which is that He refused to see his son, Absalom. He let Absalom return to his own city, and he gave him a place to live. But David didn't greet him by name. He wouldn't permit Absalom in his presence. David held on to his bitterness over Amnon's murder. And Absalom wanted acceptance, a personal word of forgiveness, He wanted his father's love. He required grace and mercy in order to live. Had David loved his son appropriately, he would have received Absalom back as a son. But there was a refusal to forgive and withholding of grace and a denial of mercy. Author Eugene Peterson says, David's inability to forgive Absalom was the most inexcusable of his sins and the one for which he paid the most. In truth, David himself needs forgiveness. And like David, we all make mistakes and we need God's forgiveness. And the Bible tells us All have fallen short of sins. And yet, God proves His love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. That is true forgiveness. And just like God forgives us, the Apostle Paul challenges us to be kind and forgive one another. And he says, be imitators of God. But often, like David, we find it difficult to forgive. And sometimes God breaks our arrogance, and God humbles us through the things that we go through in life, and then God would help us do what we find it difficult to do by ourselves. When David refused to forgive his son, Absalom returned back to his old way of plotting and brooding and vengeance, and for four long years, he planned his revenge. When he was confident that he had the people on his side, he revolted, and he set out to assassinate his own father. And David then fled for his life into the wilderness, back in the wilderness where he had spent so many hard years and so much of his character had been formed. In the wilderness, David faced the truth about himself that he was no better than anyone else. In the words of Eugene Peterson, David became again characteristically David. Humble, prayerful, and compassionate. And now David was ready to forgive. And the Bible says he ordered his military officers, deal gently for my sake with the young man, Absalom. But it was too late. The war had already started. And shortly after he gave order, his favorite son was killed. And when David heard of Absalom's death, he was deeply moved and wept. And he cried out, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I have died instead of you? O oh, Absalom, my son, my son this is a sad, sad story. David lost his favorite son because for too long he held on to his bitterness over Amnon's murder. And for too long, he refused to forgive his son. And friends, when we refuse to forgive like David or when we try to take revenge like Amnon, Absalom, the consequences can be so emotional and so violent and so destructive for our relationships and our family and our community. For our Lord Jesus Christ, it is not acceptable to carry out vengeance like Absalom. In His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus includes ethical guidelines specifically for people like us who belong to the kingdom of God. And Jesus says to us that if someone does something wrong to us, we don't strike back, and we know that. But we let the judiciary administer return the slab. It means we allow the justice system or God to finish the business. What Jesus wants from us is that we don't resist an evil person or those who hurt us with vengeance. He's not saying don't resist evil. He's not saying give a free pass to evil. Jesus is saying we don't let vengeance be the motive of our resistance. Because God ultimately is the motive of our resistance. Because God ultimately is the one who who sees us and who hears us. And some of us may still remember the shooting that occurred about 10 years ago at the West Nickel Mines School in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. The gunman killed five Amish school children and wounded five others. And then he killed himself. In the midst of crushing grief, the Amish community offered words of forgiveness toward the dead killer and his family. In his book, Forgiveness, a Legacy of the West Nickel Mines Amish School, author and Mennonite minister John Ruth says, the Amish approach to life centers on forgiveness. He also says, The Amish are a people of the Sermon on the Mount. They view all Scripture through the prism of the teacher, Christ, who said, You have heard it said, but I say to you. Friends, we are also a people of Sermon on the Mount, and forgiveness is what we must practice. It may be difficult But remember, forgiveness is the work of God, and we can always look up and ask God for help. In his book, Letters to Malcolms, C.S. Lewis observes, last week while at prayer, I suddenly discovered or felt as if I did that I had forgiven someone I had been trying to forgive for over 30 years, trying and praying that I might. And Lewis understood that without the hard work of prayer, the words, I forgive you, are empty. And we may ask, what are the benefits of forgiving? In his book, Forgiveness, John Ruth quotes the saying of one Amish community leader who says, Forgiving is a serious business because it is basically for our own spiritual and emotional and physical benefit. We may or may not establish a new relationship with the person who injured us. That is not the heart of forgiveness. When we forgive, we finally stop hurting ourselves. And maybe that's why the Apostle Paul uses the words put away in our New Testament. We may have experienced that our loved ones betray us or we feel denied or we feel frustrated, but we have to let go of our bitterness and anger. We have to put away the system that hurts us. Even if others have terribly uh, done terrible things to us, The Bible teaches us that we have to have the faith to hand the whole matter to God and believe what God says to us. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. In his life, Paul himself experienced so many hardships. When he was writing our New Testament text this morning, he was in jail. And throughout his ministry, Paul was imprisoned several times, and he was stoned, he was beaten, he was attacked by angry mobs, and he was constantly on the move. And when it comes to dealing with pain and frustration and bitterness and anger, Paul says in one of his writings, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And what Paul is telling us is that we have to forgive and we have to move forward. And friends, wherever our forgiveness operates, God's forgiveness is operating. And when we forgive each other, when we forgive one another, God's forgiveness in Christ is operating among us. When we confess our failings to one another and forgive each other, God's forgiveness is at work. And when we seek to offer fellowship and kindness to those who are rejected by society, like street people, those who are addicted, those who are struggling, those who are in need help, when we help them, God's grace is at work. And Jim, Reverend Jim, just announced that today is my last day. And two years ago, when I applied for a residency program, I was busy. I was in Maryland, and I had exams, and I had sent my application one minute before the deadline. <laughs> then I was praying, and a few days later, Dr. Fairfax Fair emailed me, and at the end of the email, she said, grace and peace. And in my thinking, praise God, this is a place where I want to belong. As a minority and an immigrant and a refugee and a tribe member, everywhere we go, even in Asia, one question that we have in mind everywhere we go is, will I be accepted? Will I fit in? We always ask that question. And this morning, I praise God that God has provided me, First Press Family, for me to grow and to learn and serve others. Wherever there is forgiveness or acceptance or understanding, friends, there is peace, love, and joy, and hope. And these are the works of the Holy Spirit. And two months ago, a day after gunmen Dylan Roof opened fire and killed nine people in a black church, and many people around the world were touched by the moving words from, from the victims' families, offering God's forgiveness and love in the face of such horrible suffering. And one of the victims was a woman, a 70-year-old woman by the name of Ethel Lentz. Ita left five children, seven grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren behind. And the daughter spoke for the family uh, during Dylan's court hearing. And she said to the gunman, I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. She said, it hurts me. It hurts a lot of people. But God forgive you, and I forgive you. And another victim's family said, we have no room for hate. We have to forgive. Friends, forgiveness is the work of God. By faith, we will forgive those who hurt us. By God's help, we will forgive fulfill what Jesus wants us to do in our relationship with one another, in our family, in our church, and in our community. May God make all of us into a people who practice forgiveness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Let us unite our hearts and minds in prayer. Good and gracious God, giver of every perfect gift, you are always merciful to us. You bear us up through difficult times, through occasions when we are filled with anger or remorse, when we are faced with limitations that frustrate us, when we are confronted with change that makes us uncomfortable or grieves us deeply within. You are with us in the dawning of each new day, in fresh opportunities and second chances, and in the setting of the sun, you grant us companionship along our way, food for the journey, and rest that restores us and provides new perspectives. Bless us with eyes to see your grace, hands to do your work, and hearts full of gratitude. Almighty God, make us sensitive to the needs of those around us. All of us face challenges. Give us patience in our dealings with one another. Help us be quick to give another the benefit of the doubt. Rather than finding fault, enable us to bear one another's burdens, to put others first, to rejoice in others' accomplishments. Draw especially close to those who are struggling with illness, with increased frailty, with the emptiness of loss. Use us as your instruments of caring that all may know they are loved, valued, and respected. Almighty God, be with world, national, state, and local leaders. Allow reason to triumph over extremism and justice to overcome oppression. Bring peace, O God, and let us not be afraid to advocate for it. All these things we pray in the name and for the sake of your Son, our risen Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information,